Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Greg Kiefer. Today, I've got a special guest with me, Dave Adams. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Happy to be here. So, Dave, you're in a role where you're out driving innovation, helping a lot of large companies implement, roll out big technology initiatives in their supply chain. And I thought one of the topics that would be really interesting to discuss today is information or data. And whenever I talk about this, I say, wow, you know, you could have a Lamborghini, a beautiful race car, but a high octane racing fuel hasn't been invented. You really don't have a racing car. You've got a trophy. And the same thing is true with software and technology, right? I mean, software can be beautiful, can give great demos, but without that data and information, it really won't work. Yeah, I think that's fair, especially in certain types of software. We talk a lot about visibility, right? Which is, it's all about visibility to make decisions and do stuff with the data. And you very quickly get into, if the gasoline in your analogy is dirty or it's not pristine or perfect... You get into a lot of risk of false positives and false negatives. And if I can't trust the decisions, how can it all work? And it starts to crumble fairly quickly. So I think it's a great topic. Right. In supply chain, it's even harder because, of course, you're dealing with a network of different partners and different companies that all have their own systems and their own data formats. And how you stitch all that together has got to be amazingly complex. It's kind of the elephant in the room. And I love to call out the elephant in the room. In many cases, I'll be with a customer and I'll speak in a quiet voice as if I'm telling them a big secret. And I'll say, did you know that the quality of the data in international logistics is really bad? And they all pause and, well, wait a minute. Everyone knows that's the reality, but calling it out is actually the first step. It's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous. You have to say, you know, my name's Dave and I'm an alcoholic and I have a problem, I need to fix it. But it's, it's a very important realization to get to that in general, the quality of the fuel is poor. And there's a reason for it. It's not that people don't care. It has to do with logistics. And it has to do with these companies. You're typically not collecting data from one company, one system, and one geography. These companies, by definition, move goods all around the world in many, many geographies. And they've grown over many, many years. And they have hundreds of systems of varying IT capabilities that capture data all around the world. And they try to kind of pull it all together in different ways, shapes, and forms and present it. And not surprisingly, it's not fantastic. And even within one company, they're always in some stage of upgrading or replacing a system. So you're in this constant kind of chasing your tail battle of, well, how do we solve that problem? If the data is really bad, what are your tools and tactics for solving it? Obviously, this has been a challenge that companies have had for many years. And as the world has gone from license and install and EDI van networks to this modern cloud technologies, has that changed the paradigm? Has there been a shift in the way that this challenge is addressed? I think so. There's a very important shift that's happened. And even then, there's still some challenges which have to be navigated. But this concept of crowdsourcing the data quality challenge, if you will, is actually real when you get a community of people together that can have some semblance of it's not only leverage against people to improve, but when a partner improves, they're pleasing lots of their customers. So there's a little bit of carrot and stick in there as well. And that community effect can actually be very powerful. So the data quality tide rises and all the boats rise with the tide coming up. That actually is real. We can measure that and we can see that happening. But even with that being the case, there's still lots and lots of challenges. So you can bring it up and there are places where you can get fantastic data and there's pockets where it's not great. And the biggest learning, I think, from having done this for 15 years is customers are quickly going to segment themselves into one of two camps. And the first camp is paralysis. That's, well, we have some part of our data that's not perfect, so therefore we don't know what to do and we have to solve it. And we start acting to kind of chase the unicorn of the pristine data globally. Maybe it's a fun challenge, but I guarantee you that path, you will not get much done. You'll enjoy the battle, 
but the rewards will not get there. And the other path is to plug into a platform where you get the best data through this crowdsourcing type solution, which is real incredible. And then to take a very pragmatic approach. And that's basically to say, there are areas where the data quality is not fantastic, and maybe that's okay. And I want to look through that sea of data and really, really have a focus on where is the data impacting my ability to get to some decision. And it may be that in this lane, on this specific area, there's a specific field, an ETA or a, you know, whatever the field may be, that has to be right. It's got to be right 100% of the time. In fact, 99% of the time is not good enough. And then you have a whole set of tools, technologies, people, processes to put in place, and it's absolutely achievable. If you don't have a pragmatic approach and you just sit back and say, well, the data across my whole network is not perfect and we need to solve the whole thing. If you speak in ambiguous, large terms, you'll shift over into paralysis mode and you'll have a hard time taking any action. I've seen and heard about this a lot, but it's also safe to say that it never goes away because you could go out and implement something and bring a bunch of consultants in and get data quality to that perfect 100% level. But the minute the consultants walk out the door, it starts dropping and degrading. So it's something you have to keep on all the time, correct? If you go back to kind of the first, just the natural topology of all these systems, literally it's hundreds of systems within hundreds of partners. And at any point in time, one is going to be having some issue or being upgraded. So just when you think you got it all fixed, someone's going to be changing something somewhere that requires constant vigilance. And that's why the power of the community helps. Everyone's watching, not just yourself. It's why you have to have monitors and tools and exceptions and alerts to know. And when something may go dark in your supply chain, you need to quickly assess, is that part of something that's critical to my business process or not? And if it's not, that may be okay. But if it is, you need to kind of flip your alternate switch and come in, what's your plan B? How do you keep your business running? And there's a lot of cool things that you can do. It's not just data and technology. Some of that's old school, have people get exceptions, get alerts. It used to be that, hey, it was rocket science to put the technology into the cloud, which we did years ago. We're doing more and more of you know, putting people out there in the cloud as well, which is maybe not as high tech, but it can be very, very powerful in those situations, not to boil the ocean, but if you have a specific scenario where there's a specific issue that if something starts to go dark and the only way to kind of piece it together quickly is to have human beings respond, you put them in the cloud, you engage in that kind of service, you got to know exactly what they're doing, but that can be the difference between success and failure or shipping or not shipping or revenue or lost sale. I would think a lot of the leaders, if you will, understand this and are willing to invest in data quality initiatives, whether it's systems or people. These are companies that understand it's not a magic light switch, that you've got to put a process and a team around it, and it's an ongoing investment over forever. The way I like to think of these visibility type platforms or programs is you pay some money and you get the platform in place, which arguably is kind of the cost of getting the infrastructure in place. And it can be expensive. I mean, these are not cheap investments to get all that in place. And then once you have it, you can do lots of stuff. And each of those things that you do has a value prop. And those value props are typically off the charts. To be honest, the first one or two together will fund the whole platform initiative. And then you can do three, four, you can continue to do them. But the right way to think about this is get the visibility platform in place and then do stuff with it. And each of those things that you do should have an off the charts ROI. We spend a lot of time talking about what's the value prop of the platform itself. Sometimes I like to say it's zero just because it puts in place the perspective of what do you mean it's zero? It's worth nothing until you do something with it. So you're just going to get it in place. Just academically, let's assume we don't do anything with it. We just invest lots of money to get it in place. Well, that's a little scary. But once you have it in place, it compels you to then do things on it, each of which will deliver value. And that's exactly where you get into the place where 
those little value stories, the capabilities that you release, each one is going to have a data quality component. And the money you spend to get the data quality right is going to be at the top of your list of ROI. And to that point, you're going to be right. I'm happy to spend that because $50,000, $60,000 here is going to save me $10, $12, $15 million in a business process that allows me to really change the way I'm flowing freight, getting product to my customer. Right. When you think that there's so much noise today around Internet of Things and big data, where the amounts of data that are coming into these platforms, the notion of going from data to information and insight, you really have to get on this because it's only going to get worse. It's a fun, fun place to be. People say there's almost too much data. I'm not sure I buy that. Even if you have a little bit of data, it's still the same challenge. You have to know which bits and pieces you want to pull out. So it can be overwhelming to now have access to a whole bunch of data. A lot of the big data advocates will just say that inherently more data is better and just put it in there and let insight magically pop out. There's some elements of truth there as well with the right algorithms and tools. But I feel a little bit the human beings still have to think through it and you have to look in the pool of data, figure out what you care about, pull it out, clean it, make sure your processes are in place, like you said, from a data quality perspective, and then roll out capability after capability after capability after capability. And in all of the cases I've seen, literally the first two capabilities fund the initiative and everything else on top of that is gravy. So it sounds like your advice to the market is invest in data quality. It'll pay off big time down the road if you do it right to start. It will as long as you know exactly what you're doing. So invest in data quality. It's critical. Without it, you have nothing. And be able to explain exactly to your data quality teams, challenge them with solving a specific problem, a specific case that's blocking a path to value. If you find yourself speaking in averages and percentages, overall, my data quality needs to be at 96%. Ask the question, why? Who cares? Why does it matter? What's it stopping? You know, maybe 22% is okay. And maybe not. Maybe 96% is too low. But ask those questions. And once you get to that sweet spot, absolutely, the money you spend there will be well spent. Of course, that all assumes they even have a data quality team. So maybe you have to get a data quality team first before you even do that, right? It does take a unique mix of people. I mean, it's a fun job for the right skill set. You need people that like numbers and crunching. And it's a little bit like being on a treasure hunt. But I find if you challenge them with solving business problems and unlocking value, it's a very rewarding exercise. If you challenge them with just looking at old flat files and EDI files for the sake of making percentages go up, it can feel thankless. And to be honest, it's a waste of time if that's what you're doing. So if you frame it right, hire the right people, it's some of the best money you'll spend. Great. Well, thanks for the insight, Dave. My pleasure. This is Greg Key for Supply Chain Radio, and we are signing off. Mm-hmm.